Welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jason McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we're back from Wicked Good Ember. Yeah, Wicked Good Ember was really great. It was great to uh, to be out there and actually uh, interact with some people who are actually listening to the podcast. It's been pretty awesome. It was kind of interesting. So we had that one episode where we said, hey, when we're at Wicked Good Ember, come up and get a sticker. And uh, And only one person actually came up to me to physically get a sticker. And the rest of them we had to lay out just so anyone can go. I feel like... They went pretty quick, though. Uh, oh, they went very quickly. Yeah, I think I think they were pretty popular. Um, cool, cool stickers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, so that was really cool. It was really great to to start talking to some people and get some ideas and feedback about uh, where where the podcast should go. So, I, I had a really good time talking to everybody, and uh, I mean, honestly, you know, making new friends and you know, putting names to faces. It's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, so this week we're going to be, so we, we get back from Wicked Good, and now we're going to dive right in uh, and start up uh, Emberjacks. So Emberjacks this month is going to be about, uh, you know, pushing that blog forward. So we're probably going to be doing uh, some deletion of records, and Chase is looking at me right now because he knows that I haven't actually written out all of the details of the upcoming meetup. Right. We're super busy. Are you sure you're going to do all that? <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So... Uh, I, yeah, I, I have a better idea. I think. I think what we should do is uh, we should do Emberjacks uh, edits a podcast. Emberjacks edits. That's not a bad idea, actually. Um, I've been thinking about that. Uh, I think that it might actually be in the wheelhouse of a lot of people who who come to Emberjack. So could be fun. So yeah, so Emberjacks gonna be cool. I you know we've we've talked about it a lot, uh, and and I'll have more to talk about once we actually go through this one. But I've really enjoyed you know planning for these things just as much as I enjoy um, you know recapping them. Uh, planning for them and 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 you know like putting them on as well. It's it's been a really cool experience to kind of figure out my teaching style and uh, and, and we're we're trying not to do the uh, we've we've mentioned this before. We're trying not to do the uh, the standard format where where you uh, you have speakers. Um, rather, we're trying to uh, build a kind of a base layer of knowledge so that everyone can kind of talk in the same language, and then we're going to go from there. And I, I, it's, it's been working really well, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, I can't wait. And then coming up in a couple weeks, we have, what is it? Well, how many weeks is it? Three weeks, right? Yeah, it's pretty soon. Middle, yeah. middle of July. It's uh, early July. It's like 7th, 8th, 9th or something. Okay, so that's like, yeah, a couple weeks. Oh, exactly two weeks, yeah. We have uh, Ember Training in Chicago with Eric Brin. Yay, more training. And this is uh, this is actually doubly cool because there's a Hash Rocket office out there. So not only are we going to be able to go and uh, do some some training in the 2.0 stuff, um, we're also going to be able to hang out some some other Rocketeers. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, and uh, you know the the cool thing about uh, Ember training, uh, I think this time around uh, we we did this for the last time he was in Chicago, Eric Brin and uh, Trek, and uh, and it's it, it was it was a lot of fun, and I'm I'm hoping that I'm able to kind of glean a little bit more this time, especially with uh, a lot of new changes that are happening in two O. I'm still finding myself sometimes not know some some of the changes and you know not not really be prepared for some of the deprecations uh, as I I upgrade my production app through the through the Ember versions and it'll be really nice to to get uh, a little bit of insight into you know like what's going on yeah there were a ton of changes i'm i'm hoping that they cover a lot of the uh the ember data changes which is would be really hard because they literally came out <laughs> like like thursday yeah they they have time they have time it's like 2 weeks you know what's what's you know like it's not like everything changed like fundamentals or anything you know big deal so there's a gist out by Andre Stoltz that explains reactive programming really well. It's uh, super in-depth, really, really long, goes into you know, a ton of examples, has some JS spins. If you want to know a little bit more about the subject and how, how reactive programming works, 
you know, Ember uses a lot of this kind of, these kind of techniques with uh, streams and things. So it's a good primer. Yeah, especially in Ember Metal. I started getting interested in this because, uh, just because this article is so in-depth and like makes you start uh, thinking about how this uh, type of programming, this paradigm can be applied in, in projects like Ember. And, uh, and then it turns out, you know, Ember already utilizes this underneath the hood, although I'm not 100% certain whether or not they are technically reactive, uh, like RxJS style streams. Um, I know it's, it's their own Im- implementation. And I think that there are thoughts and, and, and ideas in the works to maybe make these things more readily available to be used in other places. So I, I feel like I have a lot to learn here, though, honestly. I, I, this, this seems like a really big subject, and the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, oh, there's, there's, there's more to this. So yeah, I've never really looked into reactive programming and uh, I was interested to, you know, read this article and learn a little bit more and kind of, you know, fill in some gaps of my understanding. And it was, it was actually, it made it really easy to understand that there's a lot of kind of simple concepts. There's really only, you know, three uh, functions that, uh, that these, uh, these streams have. And that's basically a value, uh, a completed or an error. And it, you know, when you first look at it, you're like, that looks suspiciously like a promise. Uh, and it, it basically is. Um, there's, there's a section in this, uh, gist where, where he talks about how you can basically, you know, you can mock one with the other, you know, you can make them both quack the same way. Yeah. I thought that was really neat doing the, uh, Ajax, uh, get JSON and just implementing the, uh, the on completed on error and the value, uh, inside of the finally hook, the done and the, and the on error or in the error hook. That's pretty interesting. Cause basically the, the promise is just, uh, an observable that just fires once. Uh, you know, it'll fire either either an, uh, an error or the value, and then a complete. Okay, so I guarantee you. All right, I'm just predicting this. I'm calling this out of the blue here. I guarantee you, somebody is going to correct you on that one. Well, I, yeah, it's I'm basically just, it's it's just like a promise. It's the same thing. It's it's my mental model. I don't care if it's wrong. Yeah, me- mental yeah, mental models help have to help you get there until you you know until you dive deep. I I, I know personally, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to read and reread this uh, to see how it how it's gonna. Um, eventually kind of like work its way into, into my understanding. Uh, I, I think that there are already applications for this though. Like I know, uh, Ember, I want to say metal views use this or Ember metal uses this, uh, underneath the hood or, or streams, uh, as a concept. I don't think they're necessarily the, the RxJS variant. Right. And, and one of the things, you know, that, that I kind of, I'm hoping for is, uh, you know, when I first was introduced to promises, I didn't really kind of like see benefit in my everyday javascript um and now when i'm on a project that doesn't have ember or some promise library i almost always pull in rsvp um just to get promises yeah. so i basically i i find myself you know wanting the code in that style of promises and uh what i'm hoping is that after learning a little bit more about you know reactive programming and how streams work it, it seems like they kind of offer the same benefits and i'll be able to set up observables um and get you know some more structure to my code a couple of episodes ago, uh, we started talking about how you might create or construct a component that has child components, and then uh, maybe ha- like how they w- how they might communicate with one another. And uh, and I remember thinking about some kind of ornate ways to do it, including like a registry, which I still think is probably uh, the simplest, uh, most understandable kind of a, like way to, to to go about it. Until Estelle Deploy gave a talk at Wicked Good Ember, and one of the things that she mentioned kind of in passing was the uh, Ember Evented Mixin, and she was saying that, uh, you know, in in their case, they were listening to something in WebKit, and they wanted to basically send an event 
anytime something happened and then have different parts of the system react when that event fires or changes. So they're just treating a, a service as an event bus. Um, so this was really interesting. I, I thought this was one of those things that uh, w- would be hard to set up, but it turns out it's incredibly easy. So, for instance, a collapsible menu. Um, it might be uh, it might be interesting to talk about like a parent component that that orchestrates the behavior. But instead, you can actually treat uh, the the child component as a child component or a sibling component. They all uh, they all inject the service, and any new one has the same service. And then anytime a click happens, they can trigger events on the service that all of them are aware of, and they can all react accordingly. So, for instance, if you wanted all of them to unclick, you want all but the one that you clicked to be active, you could just say uh, trigger an event, passing some ID, and then uh, passing your own ID, and then you could say uh, on that event. If uh, if the ID is is my own ID, then I should remain active, and if it's not my ID, then I should disable myself. Rather than take a traditional approach, you can uh, use kind of evented parlance and and treat this like an evented application. So that was pretty interesting. You've got to be careful using this technique, I think, to you know uh, keep in line with the whole like data down, actions up, um, because it's easy to get in this trap where you start just, you know, bouncing events off of the children and the parents. So you really have to make sure that your children are, you know, sending messages through the bus to the parents to trigger some event like, um, you know, the top level parent knows like, I, you know, I'm a, I'm an accordion. When one of, when one of my children gets selected, I close all the rest of them. Or if you have a different option that lets, you know, multiple stay open then the parent makes that decision. But the way that it communicates the the logic down to the children is by setting like an active flag that just causes the children to render in a different way, um, rather than calling an action or triggering something else in the in each of the children that causes them to do their own behavior. Like the parent needs to be in charge of that uh, through binding. You know, you just gotta be careful when using it. But uh, uh, but it's a very powerful tool, um, and I you know I think I'm gonna find myself using it quite a bit. Yeah, I suspect that I will use it quite quite often as well. Um, but I think uh, I don't know where I saw this. It was some someone in the Ember Slack channel, which once again is a great resource, that was basically saying that for about five percent of the use cases, this is going to be exactly what you need, and it's going to be great. And the rest of the time, you're going to run the risk of violating, you know, data down actions up. And that's something that uh, basically I think this is a really powerful technique. But it's something that you definitely need to, you know take with a grain of salt, and really think about the implications of, of this kind of approach using it of the evented mixin. Definitely powerful, though. So there was a ton of things going on on the island at Wicked Good. Um, one of them was a lot of, you know, pairing that went on or, like, kind of cross-pollination of ideas. And there were, you know, there were a couple of times where we were sitting around talking to people and um, somebody would ask a question or we would, you know, kind of overhear something and, you know, in- interject ourselves and into the conversation to... You know, try not and try always it. rudely either. Not always. <laughs> um, and uh, in one of the cases, Adolfo Builis was working on an Ember Watson feature that would allow him to parse handlebars code and you know recommend changes or you know detect potential problems in the future um, due to upgrades. You know, just a new feature from Watson, uh, the ability to uh, also check your templates or modify your templates. And one of the issues he ran into was that he doesn't have currently a way to reprint the AST from handlebars. So HTML bars gets its AST still from the handlebars library, but that AST has no way to be converted back into a template. So it's easy for Adolfo to get the AST, but it's hard to get it back into something that he can print into the into the back into the file after it's been modified, especially with uh, indentation, like existing indentation and uh, and 
tab spaces, that sort of thing. Right. Um, and so I was trying to help him with a way that we could do this um, because I'd worked on a couple different uh, projects where it was like, you know, producing an AST and, and reprinting it. Like, uh, So I helped him work on uh, a printer um, for a little bit, for, you know, the little bit of time we had on the island. Uh, and then afterward, I've been working on it, uh, you know, as much as I can. And it's 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 kind of complicated. Uh, it's it's mu- more complicated than I initially thought, but it's still a really fun problem. It's basically, you know, just taking this AST structure and, you know, printing it out. It seems pretty simple, but the AST and handlebars is uh, much more complex than I initially thought. And the the number one place I'm running into into problems is in each loops, where you can attack on as many else's as you want. Uh, and it doesn't seem like the um, the syntax for saying else if is any different than saying else and then inside of there having an if. No, that's like it seems like the actual AST is, is the same thing. And that's kind of difficult because it's hard to know what you should print back. So if you parsed out somebody's and they use an else if, you don't want to print back an else with a nested if. Right. Yeah, that would definitely be weird. Right, so it's so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a kind of difficult problem to solve. There has to be some sort of uh, way to delineate between else if and else and then a nested if, right? I mean, like well, I feel like the the AST has to describe that somewhere. Not necessarily. It's, I wouldn't say I wouldn't necessarily think it's a requirement. Uh, I know that Elixir's AST uh, doesn't know the difference between some of the forms of the macros, um, mm-hmm. so because they don't care to ever to to print it out an AST and go back into Elixir, um, and so. This could just be one of those cases, but there's a chain property on the uh, block statement that I think does that, hmm. um, but I haven't quite cracked how exactly that works. Oh, that's cool. Very cool. Uh, so so just to recap, though, you're you're taking an, a handlebars AST, you're doing some cool stuff to make some some changes to the AST, and then you're the, the like, Ember Watson's going to make the changes, and you're going to take that AST and print it back into an actual template. Right. And there's going to be a couple, like, you know, we know that there's going to be some limitations to it. Like if for some reason the user had, you know, two, you know, used two space indents and then also mixed it in with tabs, it's going to replace it with just two space indents. We're going to right. default to whatever, like kind of, kind of almost linting, like force linting the, the file. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other things like single quotes will probably always be replaced with double quotes. Um, there, there will be some changes, but as long as the, it's, it's, it's more like also preserving style. Like it'll, it'll go along with the image style guides. Right, which which makes a lot of sense. I feel like that's how uh, Ember Watson uh, handles JavaScript, so it makes yes. sense. So I really look forward to you know working on this and uh, finishing it out, and hopefully the library will be able to use be used for things other than Ember Watson because it's actually going to be um, its own library. It's just right now it's just called uh, HTML Bars Printer. I know that Corey Forsyth and Matthew Beal were looking just a little while ago at needing a uh, this exact thing, uh, something they could take an emblem file which internally gets converted into an AST for handlebars. Um, and they wanted to be able to turn it back into a handlebars file. And this would be able to do that. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the progress. And I think it's, it, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunity here to, to, to allow the AST manipulation to, to help, help people upgrade and, and maybe even to do some really, you know, creative things with, you know, just being able to print templates from ASTs. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah, so the last thing that we wanted to mention really very, very quickly uh, was, uh, you know, Code Climate is now sub- supporting uh, Ember apps with Ember Watson. Uh, so if you're using Code Climate in any of your open source projects or maybe even your your personal projects, uh, you know, you should definitely check it out and see, you know, see where your your where your where your problem areas are and maybe uh, maybe go in there and inspect it and, and check it out. So it's going to be really interesting to see, uh, you know, that mature and see how Amber Watson, uh, you know, helps give us more information about our code base. Yeah, 
Looking forward to it. So we mentioned previously that we had some t-shirts made. You know, that was just a first run, and we're going to get some more. You may have seen it at uh, Wicked Good if you were there. Yeah, rocking the swag. Yeah. Stuff only we get. What is that word? (laughs) That's not right. (laughs) So yeah, so we have some extras. So we're going to pick one of our retweets this week and uh, send them out a t-shirt. So make sure you retweet the episode and you'll be one of only, I think, what, three people, four people that have a t-shirt. And that's all for this Ember Weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) 